Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're going to be talking about the new TV adaptation of Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale and the Netflix original series Dear White People. We've also tried the mobile game Lumino City for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. In fact, the last penultimate episode of Seriously before our Twin Peaks quiz. Yeah, it's really soon now. It's exactly a week today if you listen to this on the Tuesday when it comes out. Mm -hmm. 9th of May, the book club in Shoreditch. One of our beautifully nerdy, incredibly hard pop culture quizzes all about Twin Peaks. The new series of Twin Peaks is starting, I think... It's like 23rd or something. 21st or something like that of May. So yeah, if you are a Twin Peaks fan and who isn't, this is the perfect way to get yourself back in the zone for the new series. We do have a few tickets still left, so go and grab them. I've been living in Twin Peaks for the last (laughs) few weeks. Like literally, I feel like, I don't know, Audrey Horn in like spats and red lipstick or something. I'm just like loving the vibes. I'd totally forgotten how great the clothes are. Yeah, and just like the general atmosphere is so like fally almost like autumn mm. i don't know it's just great i love it definitely get involved come it's gonna be a great time yeah so tickets from seriouslypod.com forward slash events only three pounds <sighs> what a bargain i know i feel like maybe we should charge more we're just doing the common good <laughs> <laughs> You've got an email in your hand, Caroline. I do indeed. Uh, This is from Aku, who gets in touch to tell us about another podcast. It's called Switched On Pop. Nate and Charlie are friendly neighbourhood musicologists who talk about pop music in terms of chord progressions and cultural impact. Mm. They just did an episode on Sign of the Times, which I think is probably where the link comes because we talked quite a lot about Harry Styles and Sign of the Times a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago. I thought they did a great job of analysing the way the song develops musically and thematically. I'd love to know what you think of their theory that the song creates an atmosphere of running while standing still by withholding the final note of the chord progression until well past the four minute mark. That's really insightful. How cool. I know, it's so interesting. And actually, I know I plug this all the time, but I'm going to talk about it again. Sounds like it's in the same zone as the Song Exploder podcast. Yeah. Which I absolutely love for its like nerdy musicness. We love Song Exploder. We love Unbreak My Chart, another pop music podcast. And this sounds like it's somewhere between the two, which sounds really, really cool. Yeah. So thank you very much, Akum. We'll definitely look this up. Switched on pop, it's called. Two things in relation to that. Number one, Harry Styles watch continues. 
his tour's been announced. <gasps> I'm obviously frantically trying to get tickets to that. That's going to be really exciting. And the album comes out so soon. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Harry Styles more in the very near future. Two, cool to hear about more pop culture podcasts. And we were at a big British podcast event this weekend, weren't we? Yeah, we were. On Saturday, we went to the award ceremony for the British Podcast Awards, which was really fun. My I think my favourite thing about it was actually seeing loads of people that I've only ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like a great arena for recognising people, <laughs> is it? The podcast world. <laughs> yes. And there was a lot. I had several conversations where I was like, making small talk, making small talk, thinking, do I know you? Do I know you? Maybe I don't. Mm. And then they would give me a clue as to what their show would be called. I'm like, oh, it's you. I listen to you every yeah. week. <laughs> so many great pop culture podcasts, mm. I think, especially there, like from Cinemile to Melanin Millennials to Song by Song to Spoiler, who was in our category and also didn't win. Just like a great array of them. Yeah, it's definitely made me feel very cheerful about the state of British podcasting and people just love doing it like something that I was because my boyfriend came with and he's not that interested in podcasts like <laughs> he's he, interested in you therefore he, he's interested in seriously therefore he was interested in coming yeah but he's that's never listened it. to seriously <laughs> oh right <laughs> oh my god Look, this know. is perfect guy's like a, a nerd guy's a nerd <laughs> like a safe space we could say anything about him. but yeah he was saying like how many of the people in that room actually make their living from this and i was like none literally none that one guy <laughs> who was hosting him yeah even then i'm not sure that he makes all of his money from making podcasts there you go. so uh yeah great night of like passionate nerds who love doing what they do oh yeah it was great so we should get on with our own pop culture podcast yeah while that's... the day's young the first thing we're going to talk about this week is drum roll the handmaid's tale the Handmaid's Tale is a 2017 TV adaptation of Margaret Atwood's 1985 dystopian novel of the same name. It focuses on Offred, a handmaid in the new future theocratic republic of Gilead, and her struggles to stay safe and sane under the repressive regime. The adaptation stars Elizabeth Moss, Alexis Bledel, Samira Wiley and Joseph Fiennes. Oh my god, so I have been in America. I was at this pop music conference in Seattle that was amazing. And while I was there, I read all of the novel, The Handmaid's Tale, and watched the three episodes that are available in America of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, so we should say just right off the bat that there is something a little bit weird about this show, which is that you cannot technically watch it in the UK. Mm. It does not have a distributor. It's made by Hulu and it's on the kind of Hulu streaming service in the US, but you can't get Hulu in the UK. I don't think, and... Unless you do some dodgy <coughs> stuff we won't necessarily go into. But yeah, it's not it's not really out there in the UK. There's been like a lot of discussion about it in UK media because it's just been so big in the States and it does feel very timely. But Hulu did have to say, oh, sorry, we're not really available on international markets. But apparently, as of today, MGM, who have produced this adaptation, have said that there is in the works and it is coming to the UK at the moment, but they, they're not currently at a point where they can say who it's going to be and when like which channel or which distributor we're going to talk about it anyway yeah so we'll just leave you to you know puzzle that out for yourself should you wish to we we're not telling you to do anything <laughs> yeah i had not read the book until very recently as i was saying which whereas, was a really intense experience for me whereas i think i did it for a level i definitely did it at school mm -hmm. and it was such a like foundational text for me i remember reading it or like finishing reading it for the first time and being like, 
wow the world mm. is dreadful if you're a woman <laughs> and this was my like 17 year old mind's first contact with this concept yeah, yeah. yeah. it's really takes all those things that we know to be true in a sense about women and women's bodies and the way women are seen by and valued by society and then takes them to like their absolute most logical conclusion so for example if we believe that women's bodies don't really belong to them but us more broadly men or patriarchal societies see them as belonging to them what where, what would that look like if that was taken absolutely literally and like what does it mean if women are mostly valued for their ability to give birth to other human beings what does that look like if you take it to its furthest logical extreme and take it literally women are sort of divided up into classes it's a very highly regimented society and it's all based around as you say fertility uh, because part of the conditions that have led and it's meant to be north america that have led the united states to slide into this repressive horrible theocratic regime has been a declining fertility rate mm -hmm. so any woman who can still give birth to healthy babies is suddenly like a state asset mm -hmm. and is mm, turned into a handmaid and is tagged and monitored and assigned a infertile but high status couple who wish to have a baby and then uses a kind of forced surrogate essentially mm -hmm. and it all has biblical overtones the the name the handmaid comes the whole structure of the society comes from a kind of fundamentalist reading of the old testament mm -hmm. hence why another class of subservient women they're called marthas and they are like housekeepers and factotums and generally considered totally expendable because they're infertile women who are just good for chores mm -hmm. essentially but i think martha is the name of a woman with that role in the old testament you end up with places called like the rachel and leah center it's really just an amazing piece of work but i feel like we should i guess talk about how that has been successfully adapted into this tv show yeah so i wasn't at all sure how it would end up on screen because although I did study it quite intensely a long time ago I can't really remember that there's much plot mm. I was thinking you know I remember a lot about the the world and how detailed Offred's kind of inner life was and stuff I was like you know there's 10 hours of this like what is going to happen in this tv show and they've absolutely spectacularly got around this problem by really emphasizing the flashbacks Mm. so Offred played by Elizabeth Moss is our kind of central character she guides us through the whole thing and quite seamlessly they stitch in flashbacks to her pre-Gilead life at different points as it becomes relevant in the linear story that they're telling mm -hmm. and that is how they not I don't want to say bulk it out because it doesn't need like padding or anything but that is how they've developed it in for television yeah, and they've also, I think, just changed it in a lot of ways. So, yes, there is a great emphasis on the flashbacks, which are there in the book. But like you say, they're more detailed and more fleshed out in this series. But they've also done things like, in the book, you're over halfway before you get any sense of like, okay, how did this happen? What was going on with the fertility rate? Like, how did this actually go from being like North America or the United States as we know it into this like conservative backlash into this theocracy and they just kind of give you that straight mm -hmm. up um and they so it's not like you're following it for the tension of that reveal you're not like going like what's going on what's going on the whole time you kind of have quite a good sense of what's going on but then they chop and change the order of events quite a lot like there are key plot elements that are happening in a completely different order 
there's a thing that we find out right at the end of the of the book about a friend of Offred's, played by Alexis Bledel in this adaptation of Glenn, and they give away the revelations about her that you get right at the very very end of the of the book by the middle of the second episode or the beginning of the third episode of this adaption yeah so they've really been bold in like basically getting this plot kind of almost like reducing it into post-it notes and then just like moving all the post-it notes all the way around and being like okay how can we just make this cinematic and dramatic and i really respect that because i think it's made for a much more interesting piece of television whereas sometimes you can have a really really successful novel that's like an amazing work of art and if you follow it too literally you end up with a bad tv show yeah no it is it does feel like it's been designed for television in a way that makes it really satisfying to Mm -hmm. watch also look out if you are watching it in the first episode for the margaret atwood cameo (laughs) yeah (laughs) which really reassured me because i was like oh you know they've changed her book a lot but she's on board with it Mm -hmm. just seeing her shadowy presence there made me feel like good about the whole thing i don't know yeah they've made some really bold decisions as well like what do you think of the moment i think it's right at the end of episode two where suddenly they start playing simple minds don't you forget about me yeah so i've seen several people i know talking about this on twitter and saying Mm -hmm. that they're not sure about this use of like modern pop music in the soundtrack i almost like the quite violent contrast between this repressive almost like anti-technology world and suddenly ooh, mm. modern, yeah. but i can see how maybe it's a bit trite and facile as i a think violent is so the word because you're like it's like being hit around the face it by really like some is. like 80s pop music all of a sudden and i kind of secretly love this because it reminded me of another quite like tacky quite like taking music literally tv show <laughs> which was the people versus, versus oj oh, simpson yeah. and like they always used these songs that would like have very very like almost trite uses of phrases like black and white hey did you pay attention to the lyric in this song that we're playing right now (laughs) lol really fits this situation doesn't it which is what they're doing with that off glenn moment because they're saying like don't you forget about me and then you're expecting to see off glenn turn around and it's someone else in off glenn's outfit that was so chilling when that happened yeah and i think that's quite like fun and i get that it's for a lot of people it might just be like this does not tonally fit with the rest of this very serious adaptation but there's this kind of evil part of me that just thinks it's amazing what do you think of alexis bladell in this because she's an actress that we've talked about quite a lot on seriously because of the her role in gilmore girls i thought she was amazing i did as well i not sure i could find it now but uh, about a week ago there was a, a tweet that had tens of thousands of retweets going around that just said Rory Gilmore sure can act. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's... people have been quite ambivalent about her acting mm. in Gilmore Girls. I'm a, I'm a closet Alexis Bledel fan in Gilmore Girls. I think she's actually pretty good. The final scene of the third episode is so so chilling, and we won't spoil it for people who are going to go and watch it. But it's so horrific and must be extremely difficult to act well that mm. scene. And she does it. She does the stages of sort of realization and horror and frustration so well. I thought the cast was pretty outstanding all round mm. in this. Elizabeth Moss plays Offred, the main character, and you know there've been quite a lot of takes about The Handmaid's Tale about her basically saying you know she has this career in high quality tv mm. that's not like anyone else's you know mm. she's known for her long-running role on mad men and for top of the lake and now for this mm-hmm. has she even ever been in a movie that you've heard of probably not and yet somehow she's one of hollywood's most influential stars etc etc and yeah totally deservedly so because she is excellent in this samira wiley a Pusey from orange is the new black one of our favorites one of our favorites also excellent in this yeah so great and again they've changed her role up a bit mm. and i think f- with 
great effect. And we, we talked a bit about this when we both first watched it, but one of the reasons why it's had this sort of adoring critical reception is because it feels relevant, timely, mm-hmm. close-ish to you know the political situation at the moment. In the US and in the world more generally, the idea that a regime that starts out just a little bit right of where you are mm. can probably like very much in the anti-abortion exactly sort of space in the controlling people's bodies space mm-hmm. can slide into something genuinely horrifying mm-hmm. and murderous yeah. really um and so yeah there are lots of things that have been written about that we'll link to a few good ones but there were i think two main points that i felt were relevant beyond just the the general focus on like women's bodily autonomy which mm-hmm. i feel margaret atwood made that point in the 80s it's never not relevant mm-hmm. the first was the fact that uh this whole regime managed to kickstart their rise to power by suspending the constitution claiming they need to pursue terrorism yeah that's there's a lot one line in the book as well isn't there about this where she says something like they first they blamed it on the islamic terrorists which 1985 you're like oh my god this this is mm. amazingly prescient but yeah just exactly as you say that's really worrying because that feels very real it made me think of that really trite stock phrase that i'm not sure anyone ever uses seriously but i feel like once upon a time they did where people say the loss of privacy is the price you pay for freedom mm. and uh, that a that's meaningless and and b but it's exactly the kind of thing that this regime in the handmaid's tale would, would try and sell yeah. you so that is obviously feels very you know we've We've had everything from extended detention periods to increased surveillance, all in the name of pursuing terrorists already in the UK. How far will it go? Yeah. And then the second thing was the, I don't think this is spoiling anything to say that there's a, there's a flash, a particular flashback to. A- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. March that Offred and her friend Moira, what is Offred's real name? 
Well, you don't get it in the book, but in the TV show, they say it's June. June. There's so. a line in the book where she says someone's called June and mm. people were like, oh, is that her actual name? And they've really run with mm. that in the TV show. But there's a... So after the regime removes women's rights to own property or work, mm. there's this big march and they go on it. And, you know, it's at first it's just a march and then suddenly the soldiers open fire and people are just being mown down in the street mm. and that made me really think you know we've already seen this happen in yeah, some places of course. and it could happen more it could happen it could like happen this anywhere. that was another point where i felt like the line between the fact and the fiction were very thin in the book racism is very much a thing <laughs> yes. and like every everyone who's not like white is sent to another country or so so we hear and even like the Jewish population are given the choice to either convert to Christianity or like be sent to Israel. In this adaptation, I think they've gone for representation, I think over realism when it comes to race issues so that you do have this great diverse cast, which is really exciting and really great in its own way. But there's just sort of this idea that fertility trumps everything. And if you're a fertile person, then it doesn't matter if you're like a black woman, you're still really, really valued for your ability to have children. I think overall it was the right decision because something that shows with undiverse casts using their defence all the time is they say, well, you know, we're just trying to reflect things as they are. And people are like, mm, but your show is set in space. Yeah, so. you can do whatever you want, literally. Why, why is this such a problem? It's like the arguments about Doctor Who, right? Like, why does the Doctor have to be a white man? Yeah. He's a space-time traveller. Of course. <laughs> and I do think one thing that's great about this show is that we actually don't know where it's going, even though we've read the mm. book. Yeah, some of the things that they've put in have been so kind of like creepy and also very modern. So I'm really interested to see where they take it next. Now we're going to talk about Dear White People, which is a Netflix original series based on the 2014 film of the same name by director Justin Simeon. It follows a group of black students at the fictional Ivy League Winchester College as they navigate the escalating racial tensions on their campus. Yeah, so it sort of throws you right in almost in media res, doesn't it, to this like scandal that's happening at this particular prestigious college. Do you, is it meant to be one or is it an actual one? I'm like not very good on US colleges. I'm not sure that I can tell, to be honest. I think it's meant to be like Yale or Harvard or something. They okay. actually do reference Harvard at one point. But it's not a real college. No, no, I don't think okay. Winchester is a real college. But I think it's meant to look like one of those fancy right. East Coast Ivy League places. Americans, educators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so they, they send you to this party where a lot of students have dressed up in blackface, which is in the UK, at least, something that does definitely still happen. <laughs> and there have been, like, even in the last five, maybe slightly more than five, but, you know, recent years have been cases of this happening in the UK. It kind of begins from there, where we're following this girl. She has her own student radio show, where she sort of speaks about race issues on campus in a kind of, like, blunt and no-nonsense way. And that sort of started some of the controversy, because people didn't like the fact that her show was called Dear White People, hence the invitations being made up for an event called Dear Black People. Am I right? Yes. So posh white dudes on her campus decide that it's reverse racism, of mm -hmm. her to call her show Dear White People 
and to treat all white people as one stereotype so they start a dear black people party so they respond with racism yeah <laughs> thus proving her point <laughs> and the ex- you know the exact same thing has happened in the real world yeah you can see it happening i saw katie hopkins did you see this do a tweet this morning she deleted it immediately because it was so offensive it was like honestly so bad it was something like just from the title of this netflix show being dear white people she screenshotted you know some of the a promotional image with dear white people on it and she said something like dear black people if your lives matter why are you always killing each other and you're like okay just respond with like serious violent racism to the fact that something has white people in the name like it is mind-boggling yeah so i've actually watched all of this show because I really oh, liked line. it and I binged, I binged through it in like two days on two different long train journeys. That is amazing. I watched episode one at like midnight last night. So that was just no way I was going to get any yeah. further than that. But I would highly recommend that you and listeners keep going with it. No, I definitely will. It's a really easy watch. The episodes vary from about 20 minutes to half an hour in length. They're really well structured, almost in the manner of a sitcom. Like each mm-hmm. episode has like an A, B and C plot line in a rhythm that you can really get behind. Mm-hmm. And they also, each episode focuses on a particular character. So you see the character on the title card whose perspective you're going to get. Oh, great. And I really love this about the, this show because it makes it feel more like a, a sort of anthology of character studies as well as an overarching plot-driven narrative. You often see the same events in three or four episodes in a row, but from a different person's perspective so like the party that you mentioned that's in all of the first five episodes i think wow because i didn't get that sense from that first episode it was quite self-contained so i sort of imagined it to just continue from that point from her perspective as we went along i don't think you get her perspective again until the very last episode actually really interesting or at least not for at least four or five there are obviously lots of ways that this show is quite non-traditional, I think, in the subject matter as well as other things. But one of the things that really appealed to me about this show is the way that it feels very traditional in other ways, albeit in a modern way. So, like, it made me think of things like Gossip Girl mm. because there's a lot of emphasis on complicated interclique relations. Definitely. And, yeah, how those dynamics function and what the different power dynamics are in social hierarchies and who's best friends with who, and who's saying what behind who's back. So there's a moment in the first episode where everyone's getting notified about an Instagram mm. picture, and everyone's, like, sort of whispering and sharing this Instagram picture in a, in a similar way to something we've seen in, like, 13 Reasons Why, or in, back in the day, getting the Gossip Girl alert. <laughs> and I love that, because it's that real kind of, like, salacious teen drama element, but it just feels like kind of grounded in technology and modern life as well somehow. Yeah, nothing about how technology is used in this show feels fake or mm. not realistic. Mm. Uh, like, for instance, someone, the character of Reggie, he gets made fun of for, like, cyber-stalking someone via Snapchat, you mm. know. So they, it's really embedded in mm-hmm. the characters' lives. One thing I just really love about it is the, the way that it subverts stereotypes and expectations characters have of each other and you have of them mm-hmm. particularly around this idea of being woke mm. you know there's an amazing bit where at some point someone codes a little app that's like tinder but for wokeness so it just like shows up all, uh, headshots of all the students on campus and you like swipe right for woke and swipe <laughs> left for not that's so funny. and it produces a 
a wokeness ranking and obviously this causes lots of people to go off on one but it's very funny and it's very satirical and I really like that and the the f- almost first person format of focusing on one character in episode allows you to see a lot of that as well like Troy the student body president mm-hmm. guy he gets a really interesting episode where you get to see all of the different things he's trying to deal with around what his father expects of him. He's what the, the dean of the The college. dean of the college. So he is actually what they call a legacy student. Mm-hmm. Even though he's black, he is actually like a really elite, his family always go to this college, mm-hmm. well-off guy. But, you know, so he's dealing with that, his family's expectations, his black friend's expectations, that mm-hmm. he be on board with them in terms of wokeness and activism. And then just what he actually wants from his own life, which mostly is to like get to, smoke weed in private you know yeah it's it's really layered in that way that's so interesting i haven't had a chance to like nosy around on the internet for good writing about this yet have you seen anything i haven't looked in great detail i've seen quite a lot of listicles about it like i I scrolled through quite i think it was a quite a good buzzfeed one where it was like 19 times dear white people made you feel like seen af (laughs) and stuff yeah because it does have obviously that element to it of just like being you know very representative of Mm. of groups who might feel not so represented but at the same time for me it's like a very very accessible tv show Mm. you know tv doesn't always have to be accessible to white people let's just (laughs) say that from the off but this definitely is it's like very very Uh, as you say kind of easy to watch and really like compulsive viewing but I wouldn't confuse easy to watch with simple or facile or levity so I would say that I'm not going to spoil what happens but at the end of episode five there is a moment where you just suddenly find yourself crying and like what just happened and you know why so the last like shot fades directed by barry jenkins no way mm-hmm. oh that, my god i'm so excited that time that like end card flashed up and i was like oh well of course <laughs> he made moonlight which made me cry bucket okay great well definitely worth sticking with then So last week, Caroline, you had a little rummage around in the bin of recommends and you pulled out a BAFTA award-winning game called Lumino City, which is, I guess, a pun on luminosity. I hadn't noticed that, but yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of like an adventure game with like a character in this, in that tradition of gaming, but for a mobile app. Yes, and it was described to us by the listener who recommended it as very much in the vein of Monument Valley, and indeed mm-hmm. it is. Although I would say it has quite a different aesthetic in some ways because quite a lot of it is based on stop motion animation Mm. that's then been like filmed and computerized and incorporated into the game landscape. So that's really interesting. For me, it was if Monument Valley met Inside Out somewhere in the middle, like it does have that graphic cleanness, but it's also got a kind of childlike fun to it that's a bit more like, oh, a man with a moustache, some colourful things. Like, Yes, definitely. So when I first opened it up, I was a bit like, hey, this isn't all 
interesting vectorized graphics like mm -hmm. I thought mm -hmm. but yeah I kind of got my eye in and quite like that the music is very nice on mm -hmm. it very very cute the gameplay is slightly different to Monument Valley and Prune for instance which we talked about in a few weeks ago in that it's more puzzle based mm -hmm, much more so it's more like the kind of game I remember playing when I was maybe 13 or 14 when there was like a manual that you had to consult and like things to pick up and put in your character's bag and you know individual little puzzles you had to defeat in order to move on with the game so, so that's more the style of it yeah because the premise is that the character that you're playing her granddad's gone missing so you're like kind of on an adventure to figure out where he is and one of the things you've got is this massive handbook that on certain pages will have diagrams of how to figure out the puzzles mm. that you're doing. So in a game like Monument Valley or Prune or a lot of the games that I play on mobile anyway, if you like poke something for long enough, you'll just like figure it out. Yes, which is not how it works in this. You actually have to use your brain. You have to consult the fucking yeah. diagram. You like have to do it properly. Which in that way makes it this less of a game that you're likely to like pull out on the tube when you've got five minutes between stations to kill, but you can't get your headphones out mm -hmm. because it's not repetitive. You actually have to like properly think about it and approach it strategically. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the games we've played on Seriously, we've described as soothing. Mm. And I wouldn't describe this as soothing. I'd probably say, describe it as satisfying when you've like got something right but it's not something that you're just like oh, I'll just touch this and hear the pretty sounds until I'm like done you have to like figure it out you have yes, to use your exactly. brain it reminds me actually of a game and I have no idea which version it was one that my sister and I got completely obsessed with called Rayman oh I loved Rayman yeah, yeah Rayman play? iconic played on our um, like mum's old pc when we were quite young and rayman was like a dog on a quest can't remember why was he a dog he was a rayman i thought he was a dog <laughs> he, had ears. he was a man but yeah he does have these kind of weird floppy ears but he has like hands and feet but no arms or legs yes it's kind of like yeah, floating yeah. hands and feet he would like do a super punch yes. he'd like pull back his hand and like wind it wind it around and then he would like his hand would just go flying off somewhere but he always had to collect things and do quests and do little yeah. side things and there were often pirates you had to defeat i remember yeah, and like yeah. booster levels and stuff yeah. that were a bit more puzzly. I felt this had things in common with that in a good I way. I go and play Rayman now. I know, I what do as well. I but as definitely well. those were all the games that I was into as a kid. It's like I would watch like my male cousins playing like Halo and stuff and mm. be like, this seems boring to me. But then it would be like Spyro the dragon. He swims <laughs> in a nice blue pool. And I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> this is pleasant. I remember having a deal with my one of my friend's younger brothers that if we could beat him on a level of the James Bond shooty game then we got to play Rayman or something yeah. for the rest of the day and it turns out in shooty games if you just mash buttons a lot and there's two of you pressing the controller you will win oh great amazing <laughs> so Luminosity I, yeah I enjoyed it one thing that we both had problems with with this game is it's like a massive game <laughs> takes yeah. up loads of space on your phone you have to delete a lot of stuff yeah but it's probably worth it mm -hmm. so what about for next week so we're gonna try another podcast yeah next week I am very into talking about other people's podcasts I feel on like we've podcast. been like quite podcast game podcast game lately which so we're just like really enjoying everything that iOS has to offer <laughs> yes uh, listeners if you want us to do tv or film or something you know suggest it so we're gonna do the black tapes next week which is a podcast from an outfit called pacific northwest stories hosted by alex reagan i was it, just in the pacific northwest so you were did you come across this no, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's 
say yes. It says here it's a serialised docudrama about one journalist's search for the truth, her enigmatic subject's mysterious past, and the literal and figurative ghosts that haunt them both. Wow. That's like very detailed and vague at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, so there are two seasons of 12 episodes out, so I think we might just start at the beginning. It sounds like something you probably need to actually know about. You can't just drop in. I think this is going to really fit in with our other Pacific Northwest mystery vibe of Twin Peaks that we're really Mm -hmm. pushing through at the moment. So we're coming full circle, Caroline. (laughs) This might be a good place to end the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including iTunes, where you could also leave us a review if you like. At our website, seriouslypod.com, you can find all our back episodes, plus our specials on Home Alone, Gilmore Girls, Harry Potter, Love Actually, and Friends. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Don't forget that our Twin Peaks quiz on the 9th of May is on sale. Head over to seriouslypod.com forward slash events to get your tickets before they're all gone. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts about what we've discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 